Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Uh, Coming up on this week's show, we'll get a review of Carnival Sunshine from our buddy Tommy. He just returned from an eight-night Southern Caribbean sailing aboard Sunshine, so he has the good, the bad, and the uh, the Tommy time on uh, on his sailing. Can't wait to uh, catch up with Tommy here in a bit. Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, standing by with cruise news. A couple things here. Cruise Radio News. It's our Facebook group. Uh, look us up and come join the cruise conversation. Also, uh, a new client, GoPortCanaveral.com, has a special. Uh, get 10% off your Port Canaveral cruise hotel package. You can use the promo code CRUISERADIO. 10. That's at goportcanaveral.com. We'll also link to that in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. All right, Stuart Chiron, the cruise guy, is here. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, big news all around this week, so we'll get right to it. Carnival Corp approved for sailings to Cuba. Uh, talk to us about this. Well, this, uh, this has been imminent for, uh, for some time that uh, Carnival was going to be uh, granted uh, the approval on the Cuban side, if you recall, they they were already they already had the approval on the U.S. side, and uh, so to begin their sailings, which they do have scheduled uh, for May 1st, that uh, you know the first sailing uh, is now going to happen, and the you know the second, third, fourth, they're all going, and uh, so essentially with uh, their new brand, the uh, Fathom Cruises, they're going to have the uh, 710 passenger Adonia. Uh, doing uh, seven night cruises uh, to Cuba from Miami, stopping in Havana, um, Santiago, and Cienfuegos. Mm. So it's it's a very exciting opportunity for the industry to begin to finally take advantage. This will be the first time in over 50 years that a cruise ship has sailed from the United States to Cuba. Yeah. And you know, for many of the reasons we talked about with Fathom going to the Dominican Republic. This is an excellent opportunity and really the best way to see Cuba in multiple destinations because, uh, you know, they have the safety of the ship. You've got, you know, five and a half star, uh, accommodations, uh, great food, and, uh, there's, there's the safety factor. Uh, not to mention the incredible programs that, uh, Fathom will be including, uh, in the tour. Not to mention they're gonna, ha- they're gonna handle the visas. Which a lot of people may not uh, um, consider, and they're going to provide all the documentation needed to prove that the passengers on board these sailings uh, did adhere to all of the uh, requirements uh, on the U.S. side as far as their cultural exchanges and people-to-people exchanges. On the conference call the other day, the CEO of Carnival Corp was kind of hinting around that there might be other. Carnival Corp ships heading to Cuba. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think at some point uh, they're going to have. I mean, Royal Caribbean with uh, Empress of the Seas. Uh, I mean, they're all really kind of ready. They all have plans. They'd all like to go. Uh, they'd like to be able to go and make it. You know, let, let's say more of a not not so much of a cultural exchange, but they they'd really like to just have it as another port. You know, these some of these ports is just another port of call. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this time. The, the the Cuban ports can only handle 
so many additional people at any one time. And when we see, you know, the, the hotels and, I mean, it's, it's not, uh, I mean, it's just not as ready, uh, you know, infrastructure-wise as many of the other ports. I mean, MSC goes there. Costa used to go there. Um, there are some other foreign companies that have gone there. But it's certainly not uh, infrastructure-wise up to par with many of uh, Cuba's uh, other Caribbean, uh, you know, the other ports in other countries. Speaking of Empress of the Seas, uh, Royal Caribbean, the ship is in dry dock right now getting some work done. Royal Caribbean, of course, is going to be sailing it, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But uh, they just recently canceled the first six sailings out of Miami aboard Empress of the Seas. Uh, why was that? Well, Doug, it's, you know, one there, you know, the ship has been gone uh, to their sister company, Pullman Tour. And so now it's, it's coming back and it's kind of like, you know, you get a, an old house. And you want to do some uh, some work to uh, refurbish it, you know, maybe put in some new appliances and uh, you know tear down some walls. And they kind of found some additional work that that essentially was going to delay it. Uh, they're they're adding you know they're adding the steakhouse, they're adding a rock climbing wall, um, they're adding the the fast internet uh, uh, services. So you know while they're doing that work, uh, they, they they determined that they needed some additional time. So the sailings from March 30th through April 21st have been canceled. You'd rather have the ship come out, it's ready, uh, rather than have to take you know the ship back out of service if uh, if the if the issues that whatever you know whatever they were were not not going to be to Royal Caribbean standards. Yeah, yeah, and we have a listener question about this sailing here in a couple of minutes. Uh, moving on here though, Norwegian Cruise Lines and Norwegian Gym, it's a ship based out of New York City and Manhattan, recently turned away from St. Martin because people on the ship had norovirus. Was this more of a preventative thing or was this like an outbreak on the ship? Well, the, the, the sailing you're talking about on uh, Norwegian Germ was, uh, <laughs> was that a Freudian slip? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was, was on March the 12th. And, and again, this is not... Um, you know, it, and it just became, it just exceeded the 3% threshold. Okay. So, um, out of about, uh, 2,982 passengers, almost 2,000 people, um, about 135, um, total, uh, claimed during the sailing to have possible norovirus symptoms. Mm-hmm. Again, coming from New York, people are sick. Uh, you you can't you can't come you know back from, so essentially you have people coming out of a port uh, with similar symptoms. Now it, it just goes. This is a perfect example that that shows that. I mean, it, it takes about forty eight hours mm-hmm. for the first symptoms to become um, present, and they they just essentially just gotten to this port. So it's it's not like you know it's nothing with the port. I mean, these people were sick uh, before they arrived uh, on the ship. And, uh, I mean, it is the stomach flu. It's not a big deal. But uh, in abundance of caution, uh, they did avoid uh, going to St. Martin until they had a better idea of what was going on. In the meantime, uh, the ship, as other ships uh, under these circumstances, uh, they go through extensive scrubbing, and the passengers um, affected are uh, essentially you know, quarantined uh, to their rooms for 48 hours. And, uh, you know, they just do uh, what they need to do to keep the person-to-person contact. But um, wash your hands, soap and water. Holland America expands Mexico sailings, adding a larger Vista-class ship to the Mexico itinerary this year. What are we going to see down there in Mexico for Holland America? Well, they're going to be bringing in Westerdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, one of their newer dam ships. 
and uh, she's going to be sailing uh, out of San Diego uh, with uh, very different, uh, you know, some nice itineraries, um, you know, some Ted Mexican Riviera, but uh, they'll include the, like Santa Barbara and San Diego, and, uh, Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, uh, and Puerto Vallarta is returning from for, on the itineraries. The typical seven-night itinerary um, will will be Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta. So uh, it's it's nice to see some some changes. Uh, things may have been solidified during sea trade, but uh, the, these these types of decisions would have been made uh, once their uh, security teams have assessed that uh, it is safe to return to these areas. And it's 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 good news. Hopefully, we'll see a resurgence of demand uh, on cruises uh, out of the West Coast, which you know, besides San Diego, also includes Los Angeles. Uh, for the most part, on those seven-day runs, and uh, we'll see what happens. I just learned yesterday that Catalina is not in Mexico. You're kidding, Did right? you know that? <laughs> I, I'm Catalina seriously. Island is uh, right off uh, LA. LA. Like 22 miles off LA. Well, you, can, you, can, you can see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I Don't get like your map, Doug. Idiot, yeah. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, speaking of idiots, uh, I shouldn't say idiots, but a man is suing Disney Cruise Lines over a missing thumb. Uh, talk to us about this story, and why well, is he suing because of a missing thumb? Well, essentially what happened was the cabin door was open. His daughter had her foot on the door, so keeping it open. He decided to put his hand, essentially his thumb, into the door jam, and she removed her foot. Hmm. So if you've ever been on a cruise, or in any door, for that matter, uh, one, you don't put your hand in the door jam, uh, and essentially the, the door, you know, she pulled it shut, and uh, it uh, did um, cut off his thumb. They did put it on ice. The first couple of uh, stops uh, did not have the medical facilities to reattach the tip of his thumb, and then when they got to Puerto Rico, uh, he was told that uh, essentially it was too late. But it's certainly not the cruise line's fault. You know, it's just another one of these frivolous lawsuits that uh, they, they try to blame other people for their own. Essentially, look, it was an accident. Well, I was reading the, the lawsuit, and uh, according to the Orlando Sentinel, uh, the suit alleges the following against Disney Cruise Line failure to maintain cruise cabin doors in a safe manner. Failure to warn anyone of the dangers associated with the cabin doors. Failure to provide safety devices on the hinges of the cabin doors. And failure to provide timely and ac- adequate medical care. So he's kind of just taking them to court for everything. And good luck with that, dude. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot because I put my hand, you know, my finger in the door jam, and my daughter removed it. And, uh, you know, who else can we blame? I'm surprised. Uh, you know, the, the manufacturer of the door. Uh, I'm surprised the next-door neighbor of the manufacturer of the door uh, and, and the gardener of the manufacturer of the door was not named in the suit. Yeah. It's just, it's frivolous. It's, yeah. it's unfortunate that people, you know, can't, you know, accept responsibility for their own. It was an accident. <laughs> but it, it, it's certainly not, you know, the cruise line's fault that his daughter, first of all, that he put his thumb inside the door jam and that his daughter removed her, her, her foot from the door. Good luck with all that. Moving on, last but not least, Carnival Triumph. She's been in Galveston for the past, what, th- uh, three or four years, finally saying goodbye and heading to a new port of call, but getting a little bit of dry dock first. Talk to us about this. Well, she's going to be uh, heading to uh, New Orleans. 
back to uh, New Orleans, returning right? Returning to New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, she's been she sailed from there before, and uh, you know they're they're going to be doing some uh, I guess a shave and a haircut because she's already got she's already received the uh, Funship you know many of those Funship 2.0 enhancements. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're going to get her ready, and uh, it's, it's, it'll be nice. Uh, you know, she's replacing a station on the on the shore cruises, and uh, you know, look, it's New Orleans uh, continues to do well. At one time, you know, pre Katrina, it was one of the the highest grossing cities for carnival, mm-hmm. meaning it was one of the most popular, and that's you know where they were also making some of the the highest fares. So uh, it warranted that they replace Elation, um, you know, which is a Seventy thousand ton ship, uh, bringing in Triumph, which is about uh, one hundred one thousand. So um, it's, it means that look, it's just continuing to grow, and you know who knows, they could wind up with uh, a fourth ship there. In closing, here we have a listener question, Stuart from Billy K. Billy says, "We were scheduled to sail on Royal Caribbean's second sailing of Empress of the Seas, but our sailing got canceled. That's okay and all, but now my flights and hotels are paid for, and it leaves me up a really expensive creek. Uh, is there anything I can do?" Well, the the airlines, uh, you know, the, the ticket for the airline, you know, minus a reissue fee can be changed. But if you don't buy your hotel and you know your your uh, airlines through the cruise lines and they make changes, um, it, it is your responsibility. Uh, it is a gamble that some people you know make. It's definitely worth. Again, you know this is another reason why you take out travel insurance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to cover these costs. But um, you know it, it is a different date, and um, you know try to work it out with the airline. Depending on who you talk to, this is an isolated incident. Royal Caribbean is one of their largest, you know, the airlines, uh, one of their largest customers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I've seen it many times where the airline waived their fee, their change fees, and allowed the passengers to to change it. But uh, you know, hotel, I mean, of course, you, of course, you could change it. Uh, you haven't been paid. You, you had a reservation. Um, you know, they'll they'll allow you to change the date. And uh, you know, look, you'll go, you'll have a great time. But um, the cruise lines are not responsible for your flights uh, if they change the schedule if you booked it separately, which most of the time is the best thing to do. Well, and you know, I mean, you were talking about depending on who you talk to on the phone, I, I, I think it doesn't hurt to be really nice to the customer service agent, too. If you, right. if you come off like a prick, you're going to just be like, dude, heck with you, take what you get. But if you have a nice, sympathetic person and, and tell them your case, you, you probably have a little, I mean, it goes without saying, You'll probably have a little bit more leeway. Well, they'll the... go and they'll they'll get some supervisors involved, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, Doug, if you don't get it with one, you know, try it a few more times. Yeah, exactly. Get Just someone else on back. the phone, and uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, the, these rules are not laws; these are company policies, and it comes down to customer service. Are yeah. they willing to help a customer? Which you know, if you're with you know, with depending on the airline. Um, th- there's really nothing that says they can't help you. It just it, it comes down to them being uh, unwilling. Yeah. Which most airlines um, are are very um, helpful when it comes to these kinds of situations. I just think that I mean it goes without saying, but you need to have travel insurance. You know, my my friend Chrissy and her fiance flew from Connecticut to Miami to catch Carnival Breeze in January. They were too good to book travel insurance. They weren't going to spend the thirty three dollars per person. Well, it turns out their airport closed down, and they had to drive from uh, Connecticut to Miami to catch their ship because they paid over two thousand dollars for it. Yeah, so it's like look, it's 
it's you know it, it covers for uh, what what you don't know. Accidents yeah. happen. The unforeseen happens. Uh, your luggage could get lost. There could be a myriad of issues. Your flights are delayed. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to to leave the country and not have travel insurance because it also has interruption insurance. It's got mm-hmm. medical coverage right. and a myriad of of other things that it covers. And you saw a lot of people, Doug. It's unfortunately they don't uh, they they don't take advantage of it, and uh, you know they they get hit with these charges, and then. Uh, um, you know, they really, they have a lot of buyer's remorse, but, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, all I can tell you is <laughs> it's definitely worth, uh, getting and insuring and hoping that you don't need it, uh, versus needing it and not having it. We've been talking with Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruise guy. Have a good one, man. You too, Doug. You're listening to cruise radio, part of the iHeartRadio talk network. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. We always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. We'll get you on the show. Tommy just returned from an eight-night Southern Caribbean sailing aboard Carnival Sunshine out of Port Canaveral, Florida, and he joins us this evening. What's up, Tommy? Hey, Doug. How are you? Good, man. Uh, getting right to it. We'll take a step back before we get to Carnival Sunshine and uh, do some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail Carnival Sunshine out of Port Canaveral? It was basically the itinerary for the most part. I had done the east, the west, uh, the Bahamas, the Florida. I wanted to get in a southern Caribbean itinerary. Right. Very nice. And uh, as far as we're kind of in the in the spring break mode right now for cruise line pricing, how, how did the pricing fare for you? The pricing was good. That stood out for me, and that's kind of why I jumped on it. Mm-hmm. I was also excited to see the sunshine, which was the refurbished destiny as well. So I uh, had the time off from work, saw the right ship at the right price with the right itinerary. So grabbed a couple of friends and uh, jumped on. Awesome. And you're you're down in Orlando, so you're like 40 minutes from the cruise pier. Uh, once you get to the cruise pier at Port Canaveral, how was embarkation for you? The embarkation was long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably went at the worst time. I'm not sure when the best time to get on is. Oh, you know what it was, though? Also, Doug, we got word that there was a little bit of a norovirus mini outbreak on the sailing before, mm-hmm. and we had heard that they were going to spend extra time cleaning the ship. 
and then we got on the cruise and that was confirmed. So that could have led to the delay as well. So it was a good, you know, hour and 15 minutes of, of waiting before we got on. Does, uh, does Port Canaveral have the enhanced uh, or staggered boarding yet for the ships? Like you pick what time you want to board and show up at that time? They did, but I think the whole uh, like complete cleaning of the ship threw that whole thing off. So yeah. they kind of emailed us and told us not to get there before three o'clock. Oh wow, interesting. Uh, so you make your way on Carnival Sunshine. You were mentioning that it used to be Carnival Destiny, and then in 2013 it underwent this uh, 155 million dollar renovation, became Carnival Sunshine. So, what were your first impressions once you boarded Carnival Sunshine? Well, two things. Honestly, um, it wasn't my favorite ship but i you can tell what they did they made it nice they'd spent a lot of money and it was obvious they spent a lot of money and i was impressed with the cleanliness and the new 2.0 bells and whistles that were on it mm-hmm. but um it wasn't the the, the best flow uh, the ship was big it was nice it was definitely um you could tell it was an older ship just by the elevators and some of the uh i guess some of the areas that you know you can't get to everything i guess but the overall look and layout it was it was nice yeah very nice. Now, let's talk about the stateroom. So uh, what kind of stateroom did you have, and what did you think of it? We got what they had called the more the merrier stateroom. We put four in a room again. I wanted to try that on a regular cruise. I had always been a you know two-person balcony you know snob or whatever, but mm-hmm. when we, since I, if you remember, I went on a country cruise, and we tried the four in a room, it bothered me not at all because you're really just in the room for that little time, and if you're in the room, you're in your bed or in your quarters, and I figured I'd want to try it again. So the category of the room was called the more the merrier, and it was it was great. We had the the room was plenty big enough for the four of us to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Was it a like an interior room, an ocean view room? It was an interior room that had an ocean. Well, yes, it was. I guess an ocean view room. It overlooked the promenade. It was on deck three, which I loved. It was right outside. We always never a long walk to get there. It was right midship, right at the atrium. You mm-hmm. walk up and right past the guest services booth. We were right there, and out the window. You had, um, I guess, the uh, promenade where people were walking around and sitting. So it was, it was it was a very nice room. Cool. As far as you mentioned that four people, it wasn't that bad. But uh, as far as the space to put the luggage away and all of that, was that good for you? It was totally fine. We had plenty of room. Cool. Very nice. Uh, let's switch gears here and talk about the dining aboard Carnival Sunshine. Of course, you have many different options from the Italian joint Cucina del Capitano to Sushi, Guy's Burger, Blue Iguana Cantina. Uh, I'm probably missing a couple more, the Steakhouse. What did you think of the dining? And we'll start at the Lido Deck Marketplace first, and we'll work our way out and down. That was my favorite part of the ship was the dining and the food. I was mm-hmm. I was impressed with it. I wasn't in love with the main dining room. We had the uh, what was it the Sunset Lounge. Um, usually you have that grandiose two level impressive space uh, where you kind of you know like the the black and the gold pearl and the splendor that mm-hmm. I'm used to or whatever it was. This was uh, a, a big dining room and the ceilings were low. The portions are never going to blow you away with the portions, but the food, I'll say, in the dining room was okay. The atmosphere in the dining room wasn't the best. But in general, across the board, the food was great throughout the, throughout the ship. And if you wanted to go one by one, but I'll just tell you, I ate at the Italian joint. It was phenomenal. Loved it. I didn't do the steakhouse this time because I just, you know, I, I, go, to, I go to steakhouses on land. Uh, so I just kind of skipped that one. The sushi a la carte. I mean, it was delicious sushi, you know, for very, very, you know, five to eight dollars a la carte, you know, for basically eight rolls a shot. 
the taste bar was phenomenal. They, you know, put out some good stuff there. Every aspect of the food on the ship. Oh, burritos and guys, tremendous. The only complaint I had with the uh, burritos, <laughs> I, I, they they shut it down at at two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. So, um, and that the other the other complaint I had with the food is with the pizza late night. There is just an obvious thing they're trying to do to keep the people from staying online. You know, if you're going to have it, have it. You know what I mean? Like, you can have a guy back there just throwing pies in the oven. They don't even start rolling the dough until the next person orders. And it's just, to me, I, I could be wrong, but it looks to me like they just, you know, we don't want to be like, you know, throwing away all these pizzas. And they want to make it a little bit more difficult for you to be able to get it. Seems to be by design. But that was the only complaint I had about the food, really. What time dining did you have in the main dining room? We had 8.30. We like the 8.30 because one of my favorite things to do on the cruise is when the deck clears to kind of be out there with a drink in the pool when everybody's kind of dispersing and getting ready for dinner. And being out there in the pool when the sun's going down and having most of the place by yourself. So that's why we chose the 8.30. You mentioned about Guy's Burger Joint. The quality, you're, you've spent a lot of your life up in New York City and have had great food. How did the Guy's Burger compare to uh, a landside burger joint? As good as any. You know, you probably do a little bit better with the thick and juicy made-to-order burgers, but at sea, forget about it. You can't really, uh, you got nothing to complain about. It. Yeah. It's, a, it's a delicious, very flavorful burger. Get a top, the toppings however you want it. It's already right there made for you. It certainly beats you know, what they usually have, I guess, for that space on car- typical carnival ships is just like the burgers and dogs and potato salad setups yeah. they usually have. What a, what a very, very welcome alternative. First thing we did when we got on was get a burrito. Mm-hmm. We just kind of floated past it, and we all just kind of jumped in line and got a burrito. And we were very surprised at how good the regular standard burrito came, made in front of you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what about it was so good, but it was delicious. I was just looking for it for the rest of the cruise. And I guess in day five, I found out that they close at the two thirty every day. I guess that's partially my fault, but I don't know why they do that. Though. Yeah. It, it seems you like know. they really hit home runs with the, the guys burger joint in blue iguana cantina. Really did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's switch gears here and talk about entertainment aboard Carnival Sunshine. Lots of things happening on there as far as the playlist production shows, the superstar karaoke where you can karaoke with the band uh, on some sailings, and different aspects of entertainment, piano bar and such. Uh, what did you think of the entertainment overall? First of all, this is, it was it's, it's, that's a mixed bag as well. The entertainment was fun. I didn't get to see that. I really wanted to see that rock show. I guess it's their fleet-wide signature, mm-hmm. um, I guess, performance. But I didn't get to see that. I couldn't drag my uh, cabin mates to it. We were kind of all over the place. As we talked about on many of my interviews, we are um, the booze drinkers of the ship. Usually nobody's drinking more than us on, on the ship. So we're kind of like flying by the seat of our pants. But entertainment-wise, I'll tell you, oh, man, I wish I had her. I wish I had written her name down. She And you may know her. The, the piano bar young lady boy is she entertaining she could probably do stand-up comedy herself she has the violin also she interacts with the crowd perfectly funny as heck she was great the karaoke sorry i have to to just be honest the karaoke (laughs) looked like funeral karaoke there was never first of all you couldn't sign up it was just literally there was a very older crew for karaoke whenever we would go in there if you didn't get there for the first 15 minutes of it you couldn't sign up. And then it was just an ultra sit down, serious karaoke. <laughs> if there was a live band karaoke at all, I didn't see it. They may have done it. I and mean, I know they usually do do it, but every karaoke we saw 
was just, you know, from the track and you kind of go up there and it was just basically people singing Whitney Houston and Frank Sinatra uh, I was songs. about to say that, like Unchained Melody or Stand By Me or Down on the Boardwalk. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you heard, um, you know, the the ultra slow country songs. You heard Frank Sinatra, My Way. You see, I Will Always Love You. You yep. heard that stuff. But um, <laughs> it was good. Uh, Comedy was great, as usual. That's my favorite thing about the carnival and why I choose carnival a lot of times is because of the punchliner and mm-hmm. they just kind of flooding those edgy comedians that do kind of crack you up. They play with the crowd, you know, that stuff. I love, uh, what else entertainment was, you know, they had a band, I guess on the ship, but they only came out a couple of times. I didn't really see, you'd see the guitar player. You'd see the Latin band that was in the, um, the Havana, uh, section. They had that The DJs were good, but there wasn't that roving band that seems to be like on the day pool deck one night on, uh, you know, in the atrium the other night or, or featured it. I didn't see much of the band. So that's it. I couldn't speak on the, Oh, and the juggler, they had a juggling comedian who was hysterical as well. So he was good. The, on one of the nights we did do the uh, liquid lounge. I was just thinking when I was mentioning the superstar karaoke, uh, I did a five night on sunshine about six months ago. And I remember it was the main show band that you played with them. And it was only like one night on the cruise or two nights on the cruise. And it was some very weird hours, like, only forty, like from seven o'clock to seven forty-five, and that was all. So you're probably up at the pool drinking or something. Yeah, and that that explains it definitely. Yeah. But yeah, and that was the other thing too. Like it was very very hard. Like we had um, one of the girls in our in our cabin wanted to do karaoke. And she was like, she finally got to do it, but it was after like three or four times trying. These are these politely say, oh sorry, we're booked, hmm. you know. And then meanwhile, you see the same people singing the same. <laughs> you know, crappy slow songs three or four times because they get there early and they sign up. And I guess there's really nothing you could do about that. That's not anybody's fault. But um, it was a little disappointing. I think you forgot to mention Margaritaville and Proud Mary as well. Those yeah, are absolutely. two that people will, will, will tear up in karaoke. Uh, well, let's switch gears here and talk about the sea days because uh, one thing that really defines a cruise ship is how it behaves while the ship's at sea as far as the public spaces, both inside and outside, like by the pool and such. So how was the sea days for you? Here's where you're going to get me. I, I, and I, let's just, you know, let's just put it out there. Carnival is probably my favorite cruise line because mm-hmm. it's fun. And, it's, you know, you, you enjoy it. This particular ship, the functionality and the bells and whistles of the 2.0 probably made it cooler and more, more things to have and more attractive options in those standpoints. But I definitely like the carnival ships where a, you know, you have, you know, they seem to be a staple where the two bars are on either side of the entrance to the one entrance of the Lido deck. And then you have the two food options at the opposite ends of the Lido deck that lead you basically into the Lido restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I personally like that layout a lot better. What they did was they built a multi-level serenity deck that really, honestly, just, you know, it just got me tired from walking up and down the stairs trying to get to that little <laughs> pool up there. And then you got to walk all the way, four, what is it, three, four flights up to get mm-hmm. to that one bar that's up there. And then they close at 4.30 and then you want to just kill somebody. You have, mini, um, you have a mini heart attack yeah. walking up there. Yeah, only to find out the bar's closed. <laughs> so I thought, so what they did, obviously, was they took Blue Iguana and the Red Frog Rum Bar and put them on the Lido deck. That kind of disrupted the flow mm-hmm. a little bit. And then obviously the popularity of the Blue Iguana and the Guy's Burger uh, backed things up a little bit. So flow-wise, being honest, it was a little tight. Now yeah. that one dinky pool, I guess that's just a matter of being an older ship where you kind of have that one pool. And so the thing I like to do is put my feet in the water and kind of like how you have that upper lip where the, 
the pool, the water kind of goes above the mm-hmm. meniscus of where the walls of the pool are, but it still is enough to sit in that bench area around. I guess this this ship was old, old too old to have that. So there was that one pool, and then flow wise, another signature thing I love about Carnival is the aft pool up there because it's always a not a serenity area where it's mandatory 21 but it's a suggested adults area and that's usually how it works out and you know the kids usually never find their way back there or end up being back there because you gotta go all the way through and that is my spot like that's usually my spot to go back there during the sun when the sun's going down everybody's going to dinner and you're just kind of chilling out there with your drink in the pool nobody cares because you, you know the bartender's back there you tip the heck out of them and they take care of you give you a little extra stiff drink and then just having those slides and that rope course back there eliminated that i guess and reality is it was pretty windy so half the time those weren't even operational anyway so again love carnival but for this particular ship those are the kind of things that i was a little i was a little disappointed with again there's no such thing as a bad day at sea Mm -hmm. but comparatively i have to kind of you know be honest in that regard yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the ports you hit on this eight-night sailing. It was a Southern Caribbean sailing. So uh, what ports did you hit, and which one really stood out to you? Good question. Um, Aruba, we hit first. Curacao was second, and good old Grand Turk was, was the last one. But um, Aruba was beautiful because you loved it because it was just – it had that wind, that kind of – that trade wind that made it, you know, as hot as the sun was. It made it cool as well. It was a bustling environment. The food was delicious. We ate at a great restaurant. What are Aruba? Well, that's where I we went to um, Palm Beach and jet skied. Everybody was nice. So in general, Aruba, we didn't do um, an excursion, but we did go right to the beach. Uh, the beach people on the beach were very, very helpful. Of course, they want them. They're going to charge you for it, but it was very, very nice. And you know how some of these islands can be overly like, uh, you know, the locals kind of coming up and mm-hmm. trying to hustle you to sell you this, say that you didn't get a lot of that. So it was a beautiful, I, I like, I like when an island, it's almost like a little bit of St. Thomas where you have the beauty of the beach and the nature, but you also have the bustling, not city, but you know, town type of life mm-hmm. where, you know, there, there would be things to do, you know, besides going to the beach. So I love that. Curacao was just beautiful i mean everybody that's that postcard picture of those um those buildings that are kind of on that shore you get on that you, you know you take that floating footbridge over and you just walk in and they really get it they it, they really know how to take your money because they make these beautiful <laughs> gorgeous buildings and uh you just want to see them all and walk up and down every block and by the way you don't even realize you're walking in all these gift shops and little shops and spending all this money and you know carrying all these bags back to the ship that's all we really did in Curacao. And Grand Turk is good old Grand Turk. I did this one thing again that I did in Grand Turk maybe like four years ago where you take the ultimate snorkel. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it was better than I remembered it. Like this, if you go to Grand Turk, it's either do this or Margaritaville to me. That's mm-hmm. it. Because we got on this boat and they take you out and you snorkel and you're swimming in 12 feet of water looking at these beautiful fish. And then you swim 20 feet over and you're, above a four or 5,000 foot drop that you're looking down and you're just looking into abyss. And then you swim over that and you're looking back and you're looking at the seawall. It's like an underwater, like rocky mountainous thing where you're just flying through the air. And that, it, it, that was even more beautiful than I remembered it with the fish and everything. And the guy in the second stop, he takes you to his two stop snorkeling. The, the guy, the guy, the fish people that operate these things, I don't know how they do it. They hold their breath for like five minutes and they go out and they go under the reef and they spend some time 
trying to find this thing and they're able to kind of get a nerf shark to come out of these little oh, wow. areas. And so we're swimming around with this nerf shark and, uh, <laughs> it's a little, get a little nervous, but what do they say? You don't have to be the fastest, uh, you don't have to outswim the shark. You just have to outswim the person you're with. So <laughs> no problem there. Awesome. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, no, it was cool. Then we just went back to Grand. T- oh no, no, no. We went to Jack Shack. First I was going to ask you about Jack that. Yeah. Little. Yeah, I'd never been there. We walked all the way down. I could be honest with you. I probably wouldn't have had I know how much the walk was going to be. But um, we did go to Jack Shack, and it was very nice. It did took, you know, it did take 45 minutes to get our uh, jerk chicken. But uh, I heard the whole story while I was there and uh, of how, how it came about, and that was awesome. That was awesome to hear. I'm sure you you know it, too, or you probably, you know, told the audience that before. But it was... That was a great, very comfortable environment, and I liked being there, so it didn't matter to me that it took a while to get our food. It was just an enjoyable place. Yeah, it's always a good time there just because it's – I mean, yeah, you're right. It's like a 10- or 15-minute walk to get there, and not a lot of people will go there, mostly crew members. So it's like a break from the Margaritaville crowd where the beers are almost double than they are at Jack Shack for $4. For $4 so Exactly. It's not, it's not that bad. So you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation for you? I know that you, you sailed – on a uh, on uh, it was daylight savings time cruise, so your short, your cruise was really one hour shorter than everybody else's on Carnival Sunshine. Yeah, we learned that the day night. You know, it was a mess. It was a disaster because I bought a watch. Finally, I said I was going to have a cruise, but the guy sets it, and we're going in and out of time zones. Then we're going in and out of daylight savings. This and that. I, no, nobody knew what the hell time it was on this ship because my watch is right one hour, the watch is wrong the other hour. Ship's time is one thing, regular time is another. Then we hit back into the time zone that we're in. Then it's daylight savings time. And it was, so it was, a, it was a little weird, but well, let me just say this first. Did you have a, did you, the mustard drill is getting worse and worse. Oh, it's miserable. That was, that got me started off the, on this cruise. And that's probably why I mean, we were sitting in there waiting for it to go on for about 15 minutes. Then it was another 15 minutes of doing it. And then because of our muster station, it was E we had to then, you know, mock evacuate and then go out and we had to look at our lifeboat. There it is. See it. I've never experienced that before. So we, we had the mustard drill in the uh, auditorium, in the liquid lounge. Then we had to go with that. But that just took a while. Between the embarkation and the mustard drill and then yelling at you, go here, go there. It was just crazy. But fine. But the disembarkation was great. Smooth. I was expecting a, a mess. But we did not even – I don't think we even stopped moving the whole time. We kept, we kept moving the whole time. And even when you got to that one little area where you're finally walking out, walking out, Mm-hmm. Um, that was not even bad. That was even another five minutes. So the disembark- disembarkation was great. We were talking before you sailed about how you were going to get from Orlando to the cruise pier. What did you wind up doing? I drove. Okay. I just uh, I drove, and uh, you know, just I was like, that was an experience too. You, you're on. I don't know what what the road is. I forgot what it is. But you're going across, and it, yeah. Yeah, it was. They charge, they charge you a dollar every like like. Can you just charge me three dollars once? You know. <laughs> yeah, you got to get a sun pass. Oh, crazy. Yeah, now that you live in exactly. Florida, you've got to get a sun pass. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm, I learned that fast. Yeah, but, yeah. No, it was a great time. It was, it was a great trip. We all enjoyed ourselves, and uh, I definitely recommend that itinerary. Definitely, and I definitely recommend any ship that you hear of that if you've sailed on Carnival before and haven't experienced the 2.0 mm-hmm. like I have not. You got to do that. Very nice. Uh, Tommy, before we go here, uh, you just moved to Orlando from New York to run a couple of uh, – Could I? is it politically correct to call them bars? or would they, What do you call them on International Drive that you're running? They're on iDrive right at this uh, new, I guess, feature called the Orlando I, which is in the I-360 district. One is called Sugar Factory. 
It's a chain in uh, out of, uh, I believe it originated in Vegas. The company I worked for picked it up um, and is basically franchising it. We, on our own, have a bunch of bars, McFadden's, Johnny Utah, and now this place called Cowgirl. So they're both food, dining, and drinking establishments. And I guess you'd kind of maybe consider them entertainment. You know what I mean? You come down, you sit down for dinner. The Sugar Factory is a little more high-end. We have celebrities that come in. It really is a very unique operation. If you haven't, just look it up online and just look up Sugar Factory. You'll get a good feel for it. And then it's Cowgirl's Saloon, which is a Cowgirl's Rock Bar, which is just like Johnny Utah's Mechanical Bull, country music and uh, a less um, less pretentious, more kind of come as you are in a, in, a, in a good time. We've been talking with Tommy. He just returned from a eight-night Southern Caribbean sailing aboard Carnival Sunshine from Port Canaveral. Tommy, welcome home. Welcome back to reality and have a great evening. Absolutely. Thanks, Doug. You too. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip. Online claims assistance and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer. Hey, Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building. Visit cons today and find out what invincible feels like.